everyone, welcome to The Boot. That's right, it's The Boot. We are recasting classic movie reboots so Hollywood doesn't have to. This week, Kenna and I are talking about the 1998 political thriller The Siege, starring Denzel Washington, Annette Bening, Tony Shalhoub, Sammy... Uh, oh boy. <laughs> uh, Bojalia? Yes, with all boy. respect, we have no idea. Sammy Bojalia and Bruce Willis. Just a warning to everyone listening, this movie is strangely prescient and prophetic to the world today. Yeah, I really didn't know what I was walking into when I put this on, and so many moments I was like, really? We just figured, like, just in time for Thanksgiving, why not play the siege and talk to your old uh, relatives about the geopolitical state of the world? Yeah. Well, ask him if they think Bruce Willis is a hero or a villain. <laughs> uh, it's a villain. He's a villain. He's totally a villain. Are you people insane? What are you talking about? The time has come for one man to suffer in order to save hundreds of lives. One man? What about two? Huh? What about six? How about public executions, huh? Feel free to leave whenever you like, Agent Hubbard. Come on, General. You lost, man. I've lost, man. But you, 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 you can't do this. What if what they really want, what if they don't even want to shake? Have you considered that? What if what they really want is for us to herd children in the stadiums like we're doing? And put soldiers on the street and, and have Americans looking over their shoulders, bend the law, shred the Constitution just a little bit? Because if we torture him, General, we do that and everything that we have bled and fought and died for is over. And they've won. They've already won. Okay. This movie, I was the one who wanted to watch this movie. Mm -hmm. I think this movie is great. I think yes. it's well directed, well written, tremendously acted. Mm -hmm. It is very difficult to watch in a post 9-11 world. This movie was made in 1998. Yes. And it is, a, in case you've never seen this, I had never seen The Siege. In case you've never seen it, it is about a grouping of terrorist cells in New York essentially holding the city hostage. So yeah, we, we have we're we're gonna have to talk about uh, some political things, some historical things. We're still just gonna make this about an entertaining movie. We're gonna make this as fun as possible, but holy cow, it's crazy! I can't how, believe this movie exists. I cannot believe how well this movie predicted the future. From just like three years after it, five years after it, ten years after it, to twenty years after, yeah, it's still weirdly predicting a trajectory, a trajectory of America that we had definitely gone down. Yeah, I wrote down just a couple of things. Um, the obvious New York City terrorist attack, Islamophobia in the wake of the attacks, the violation of civil civil liberties, torturing of prisoners, the mass mistrust of immigrants, the rounding up and separation of families, the betrayal of Middle Eastern allies, like. This movie, yeah. they got it right. Yeah. And it really is a summary of the last 20 years boiled down into one very entertaining and very kind of uh, bizarre two-hour movie now. Um, and it's interesting because it really is a case study of, like, I remember, I don't remember where I read this, but uh, saying that, like, probably the majority of, like, police and military, they did... Um, like a survey of like, if you had seen this movie pre 9-11, you, they thought that Bruce Willis's character, who is a, a villain, that they thought that he was a villain. And then in a post 9-11 world, I think people's ideas shifted. And there are some people who are like, oh, no, 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 no. He did exactly what he needed to do. It's crazy. It's crazy. And so, guys, if this is your first time listening to this podcast. <laughs> we're not a political podcast. We're not a political podcast at all. We're a movie podcast. We're a movie reboot podcast where I, Brian Flynn, and my co-host, Kenneth Trent, take a classic Hollywood film and discuss it as if the movie was to be remade today in the trends of Hollywood. That just is sort of taking old old things, making them new again. Yeah. Fortunately and unfortunately, we're talking about the siege. And so we're going to try and navigate this to make it still a lot of fun. I mean, here's the thing. This movie is um, an incredible statement, but it also stars Tony Shalhoub. And so I feel like we're going to get a little I bit. I know. <laughs> Build the man a statue. It's going to be a lot of fun. Right now. Okay. But before we get into the siege, let's talk about some actual equally disturbing movie reboot news and I, I I wanted to talk about this as well because this is just insane and I know we talk about a lot of movies, stories, TV shows that are getting rebooted. We're literally getting an actor rebooted. We're rebooting a person. 
James Dean reborn in CGI for Vietnam War action drama. According to The Hollywood Reporter here, uh, a new movie called Finding Jack, directed by Anton Ernst and Tati Golik. I am very sorry to all the names I have (laughs) slaughtered over the years. G-O-L-Y-K-H. Golik, maybe. Um, Is a movie that they are going to resurrect the likeness, personality, and mannerisms of one Mm -hmm. James Dean, who died in 1955. Yes. And through the magic of CGI are going to bring him back to not just like cameo, but as this article quotes, to play a secondary lead role. Yeah. It literally, I can imagine this happening in a room where people, like they're having a casting discussion and somebody is like, man, you know who would have been perfect for this back in the day? James Dean. And literally someone else in the room was like, I mean, honestly, we could make that happen. Someone said Michael Jackson hologram, and then it just went. <laughs> they were like, "Let's keep going." Because we've we've seen characters, uh, people who have passed, actors who have passed. We've seen them create their likeness to keep them in series. Uh-huh. See Rogue One. Yep. Um, For Grand Moff Tarkin, played by I have to look this Peter up. Peter Cushing. I believe I owe you an apology, Director Krennic. Your work exceeds all expectations. You'll tell the Emperor as much. I will tell him that his patience with your misadventures has been rewarded with a weapon that will bring a swift end to the rebellion. And um, even like de- uh, de-aging is a huge thing right now. Yeah. Um, Same movie, Carrie Fisher, like young yeah, Carrie Fisher. It is, it's something we can do. And honestly, even though like you can see some of the like machinations of the face, like you look at, at Tarkin and you're like, I mean, that's pretty great. But there is something so dirty about it. It there's something that doesn't feel right it's about very trying pet to cemetery. Yeah, like trying to resurrect an actor and trying to recreate his performance. Like we haven't seen him in a movie in sixty years. Yeah, seventy years. I don't know. I so, I don't know how it's gonna work. Well, for those people who are maybe wondering, the family of James Dean is totally on board. I mean, maybe this is sort of just like for That's the, so that, weird. that money, you know, that cash money. But uh, this is the most disturbing quote to me um, in this article. Quote, this is a quote from Mark Rosler, CEO of CMG Worldwide, which represents Dean's family alongside more than 1,700 entertainment, sports, music, and historical personalities. Quote, this opens up a whole new opportunity for many of our clients who are no longer with us. Those clients are listed as people like Burt Reynolds, Christopher Reeves, Ingrid Bergman, Neil Armstrong, Bette Davis, Jack Lemmon. Like, we're getting to a point in technology. I mean, this feels like a Black Mirror. I think this was a Black Mirror episode where, like, all your beloved stars are going to come back. They're never going to go away. That's right. Isn't that isn't it sort of well without it being it's sort of the uh, Miley Cyrus thing where they like upload her personality into like a person like a pop star that they can control. Yeah. Like it's like that. It's like you get none of the drama. Right. But you get all of the the income from putting someone's face right in a movie. But also think about like this application outside the world of like entertainment. Like no one I don't know why Star Wars keeps popping in my head, probably because we just said Rogue One, but the whole, uh, whole idea, like, no one ever really dies. Yeah. But, like, literally, no one might ever really die because we have a digital copy of them and we can, like, put them on a screen and you can interact with them. That's with, like, oh, it's crazy. It's, it's a messy, insane. it's a messy business because even, like, Paul Walker dying in the middle of Fast and Furious production, like, I mean, fortunately, we have his brothers who look exactly like him who can essentially, like, duplicate the physicality and they can stick his face but like there's something so gross about it like it doesn't feel right to recreate because if a regular person dies you die your likeness never comes back so it just feels like we're exploiting dead celebrities I don't like it I don't like it speaking of death Uh, speaking of youth (laughs) speaking of actual crazy things A new Scream movie is in development. Truly, all we know at this point 
is that Kevin Williamson is not writing it. He wrote the original series. And Wes Craven, obviously, will not be directing. He passed a few years ago. Um, But really, the only news we have is they're going to make a new Scream movie. We don't know if it's going to be a continuation of the three sequels. We don't know if it's going to be a full reboot a la Halloween uh, maybe just tossing some of the some of the sequels aside. I don't know. I have feelings about this. I don't like it. <laughs> Wes Craven made four screams, and they were even with all of their flaws were awesome. the The set of four movies is so great. Mm-hmm. Really, we should have let it die with him. I'll say this: so I, Scream is the best Scream. My mm-hmm. second favorite Scream movie is Scream 4. And I just want to say that if we didn't support Scream 4, we don't deserve another Scream. Like that but I think movie, that sequel was such a great, already a great reboot yeah. of this franchise. Like it was meta on meta on meta. Yeah. And we just like, we were just like, nah, thanks. But I don't, th- I do, do people feel that way? Maybe I'm I too, do. maybe I'm too embedded in like horror, in the horror world because people love Scream 4. Love it. This has never been about killing you. It's about becoming you. So you do have to die, Sid. Those are the rules. New movie, new franchise. There's only room for one lead, and let's face it, your ingenue days, they're over. I don't I don't know. It's just it sort of felt like they were like, hey, we're gonna give you like we realized that Scream 3 took some missteps. Maybe Jay and Silent Bob shouldn't have been in it. As much as we love Jay it and Silent Bob. It has its moments. It was a real meta Miramax thing because in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, they go to the set of Stab. Stab. Which they introduce in the second one is the fictional version right. of Sydney's story. It's weird. Um, I, lo- I, yeah, I love it and I think it really is. And truly what we don't need... Because people came back for Scream 4, everybody who's still around, and they introduced new characters. It was a lot of fun. But, like, I don't want to do a thing where we cast new people or try to, like, shove, like, Courtney Cox into it. You know, like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want any version of this. None of it sounds right. Yeah. Especially not with the, like, creators of the series being involved. Like, who... Who do we trust to do horror comedy the way Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson did? I guess Jordan Peele, but he's more of an original mind. Like he, I don't see. Him. I mean, he is doing Candyman. Candyman, but but it's not like we can't just like stick him in that in that corner. Maybe we're just maybe we're just like just the older generation being like, not my scream. You know what I mean? It's just like. How dare you? In my day, Scream was one movie. You don't even know who Nev Campbell is. Rose McGowan was the only character that we cared about, and she's dead. She's dead. Skeet Ulrich gave his life, and you Riverdale fans don't even know. don't even know how good he was. Um, All right, well, we'll see. All of this could end up being nothing. A lot of these, I feel like a lot of these articles just tend to, like, recycle themselves into like other news later on that's It would also be real. interesting to go back through some of our news pieces and see what has died cuz there's some Just stuff like that has like there's some stuff that's been made and is coming out. I don't know it's if you true. saw the Grudge trailer. No. It is not great. John Cho, we love you, and we're going to watch this movie, but it is, it looks just like the same movie. It's kind of dumb. But it would be interesting to go back and see, like, what is getting made and what is just dying after it's being announced. All right. Uh, I think we have to start talking about this movie. Yeah. I'm scared. Uh, It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine, everyone. (laughs) You ready to do it? Yeah, let's do it. Guys, this is our reboot of The Siege. The Siege. The Siege. The world is a wheelchair. Samir. The Quran preaches. Do not speak to me of the Quran, woman! First, you left me there in Iraq like a piece of shit! And then you take our leader, a holy man! You put him in prison for preaching the word of God! So now you have to learn the consequences of trying to tell to the world how to live. Samir! Let it go, Samir. Move away from the door! No, he's got a bomb! Get up, get up! Samir? You want to die? Do you? Look, I blow it! And we all die. Nobody's leaving here. Move away from this fucking door! Shoot! Get up, Shoot! 
Shoot me. Shoot me. Oh, boy. Okay. So that scene, there's so much to unpack in that scene right away. I think the the movie, like I said, is really good. I think it, where it loses me is like your one asset in the Islamic world turns out to be the bad guy is not a great look for I mean, 2019. Yeah. We'll say this because I... Uh, Okay, so <laughs> I have worked on a show where we had to cast a lot of Middle Eastern people, uh-huh. and there is something to be said for creating shows and movies that are giving direct opportunities to Middle Eastern actors, but you have to play a terrorist. Right. That's not great, because ultimately it just lands all at, like, you look at some of these actors and their entire credits list is that they have played, like, Terrorist number one Mm -hmm. in like the looming tower, like all that stuff. It's not great. Like we wish we could have like a Samir character who is actually supportive. Right. And doesn't end up being like her close. Not like she has a relationship with him. Like she won't admit it, but she feels something for this man. And it'd be great if it didn't end up that he is the last cell. He's the biggest bad. Right. Absolutely. Like there are some people in here that like I wanted. I should have done this earlier, but like shout out to uh, Asif Manvi. Oh, yeah. For portraying like. It's one of those things where it's like, look, this is a this is a selfless role here. Yeah. You're going to have to play a linchpin to terrorism. And it's like your agent calls and they're like, we want you to be in a movie with Denzel Washington, yep. Bruce Willis, Annette Benning, Tony Shalhoub. You're like, I'm in. Yeah. Also, you're a terrorist. You're a terrorist. <laughs> or at least a terrorist sympathizer. Like, we cannot speak to how great the acting in this movie is. And yeah. I, and I think... And even like someone like Asif Manvi, who has gone on to honestly have a really wide range of right. like he's done comedies. He's done. I'm watching him now on a show called Evil um, on CBS, which is actually pretty good. Oh, yeah. Um, he was in the unfortunate like series on unfortunate events on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. It, that is it's I mean, daily show. He's so good on the daily. Yeah, show. He's done so much, but there is not enough opportunity for these actors right. to be doing, to just be like guy. Right. Like just a guy. The Siege, directed by Edward Zwick, director of such great movies as Glory, Courage Under Fire, The Last Samurai. Um, we have to do Glory. We have to. Starring Denzel. There's a lot. He and Denzel like work together. Wow. Glory's a Courage great Under movie. Fire. Yeah. I love Glory too. Like they show Glory like every in every fourth grade classroom. They're like One of my history teachers in high school had a Glory poster in his classroom. Stars Denzel Washington as FBI agent Anthony Hubbard, Annette Benning as CIA operative Sharon Bridger, aka Elise Craft. I love a character having a uh, shady build with alias. two names. <laughs> I just I was mostly confused, but <laughs> It's true. I was like, sure. Calling her a different name. <laughs> the Tony Shaloub as FBI agent Frank Haddad. Sammy Boagila as Samir uh, Najdi. Naj- yes, I think that's a great guess. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> so be, sorry. Don't beat yourself up, Ryan. And there are Bru- a lot of yeah. consonants. And Bruce Willis as General William Devereaux. I can say the French names, right? Um, what should we talk about? We, uh, I don't want to bother. I'll say out. this. I'll say this. I'll start with some of the funny notes I took because in any movie, you can laugh at something. Maybe except for like Schindler's List. We don't laugh at Schindler's List. Right. For instance, I love how. <laughs> Um, I love how uh, Hub and Frank are always on their cell phones in their cars. Yeah. Like there's a part where they're driving to a scene and they're both just on their phones while they're driving. There's a moment where Denzel is switching But they're listening. Yeah, they're listening to like, I guess the same thing. I was so confused. I was like, clearly people don't know how to use cell phones yet. And so it's just cool that they get to use it. And I loved that. Also, all the no-name FBI agents and police officers are, like, model attractive in this movie. (laughs) Everyone in the background is, like, a Tom Ford model. And I was just like, what is going on at, like, the NYPD and the FBI? That I loved. Uh, Also, Lance Reddick is chewing gum in a very actorly way, Mm -hmm. meaning with his whole mouth and head. 
And I loved that a lot. And then things start blowing up. And, blowing and I up. got sad. It's, it's a, I know. It, it really, like... And I remember watching this movie being like, this movie's so good. And then rewatching it being like, ooh, boy. Like, we, this is a little, little, little strange. But then I was just so enthralled with how accurate it all was. Like, yeah. exactly how everyone will react and did react to, like, real-life events. Let's talk about the casting of this movie because yes. that's what this podcast is about. I kept trying to think about different ways to come at this. This movie is so entrenched in the idea of race and culture mm-hmm. that trying to change the diversity of this movie really changes what this movie is trying to say. Yeah. Uh, about the world at large, about Americans, about how we perceive others, yada, yada, yada. And so because of that, I actually ended up saying pretty close to who everyone is in this movie. I, I know that's too. not probably not going to be like as fun as interesting, but I think it's really important. Yeah. And I think Denzel Washington is putting on a fucking clinic in this movie. It is yeah. prime Denzel. He's so good. He's so good. When he's standing there, it's like right after the butt. Okay, so there's four terrorist attacks. Yeah. Uh, three terrorist attacks and one that's foiled. The first is a, a bus. Wait, 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 wait. But there's some, because there's one before, before the is there one before there's the, bus? the one that's like a, a trick with the paint it's a hoax yeah yes okay so I'm technically that that's yeah right but it's like a warning shot the first one is a bus the second mm-hmm. one is a theater the yes. third is the fbi headquarters yeah and then the fourth is the one foiled in the bathhouse which yes. is supposed to blow it's up a protest yeah. a peace march um the bus explodes. It is Denzel's fault. He's the negotiating officer on the scene. He thinks he has the goodwill of these terrorists. And then mm-hmm. suddenly, boom. And so that night, it's like the initial 24 hours of the fear and paranoia of what's going on. And Denzel gives a speech that is like, we're going. It, it was very reminiscent of like Tommy Lee Jones and the fugitive, like every outhouse, barn house, hen yeah. house kind of kind of thing. Yeah. But then his nose his starts nose. bleeding and you're like, oh, my God. It's so iconic. It's so crazy. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I want you to turn the heat up under every one of your resources. Everyone, every snitch, twist them inside out. Every sauce, turn him upside down, see what falls out of his pocket, shake the trees, throw some money at him, whatever it takes. I want results. Call your families, find a sleeping bag, because nobody is going home until we find a strand to pull on. I mean, I don't want to see anybody walking. You better be running. What? But there, there's a point where he is he is negotiate, which is interesting because he's not necessarily a hostage negotiator. He's He's an FBI agent. So I don't know why they had him do this instead of like someone who has studied this as a professional. But there's a point where we're supposed to think I think that he is the best hostage negotiator in the world because right. he literally is like just let the kids off the bus and we're just we'll start there. Let's let the kids and they do. And so you're like he's good. And then they start to let the Old elderly people, yeah. off the bus. And again, you're just like wow, this man is like he's doing it. He's like manipulating their minds mm-hmm. and then they blow it all up but it was one of those things where i was like this is just like are we supposed to think that he is just the most smooth talking individual see i thought it was more like we need to know that he is the most morally righteous person in this movie he is the most upstanding good guy who will be confronted by a lot of gray area amongst his peers and colleagues Mm -hmm. but this is the thought that i kept thinking about the most do you think hubbard has friends outside of work no like, when was the last time he got laid? This dude is so high Is he wearing st- a ring? No, that's He's what not I was married. thinking. As soon as the movie ended, I was like, did he have a family? Did we? I don't think so. If he but did, we don't see him. But there's that weird thing, too, where at the end of the movie, he, like, kisses Sharon on the cheek. And it's supposed to be this, like, sweet moment. But I was like, why is he doing this? Like, they don't have a relationship like this. See, this is why I kept... I don't know why I was thinking about Denzel Washington's sex life in this movie, but I kept thinking that, like, he's so enthralled with Sharon's relationship with Samir that he's, like, kind of voyeuristically, like, falling for her because she because of who she is. And we'll get into her in a little bit later uh-huh. like, that he he they they build this weird romantic relationship based on the idea of, like, being like fighting for the ideals of what it means to be like a good like American or something mm-hmm. like, or the or the interest, the best interests of America. Would you say that he's a real American? Uh, he's a yeah, fighting I mean, for the rights of every man. Yes, I, I would. okay. 
Him and Hulk Hogan are the same. Yeah, exactly. He's the Hulk Hogan of this <laughs> alternate reality. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. I Again, I feel like I went very standard with this, but in a way, there's so much that I just didn't want to mess with. Like, Denzel is unbeatable. Mm-hmm. Like, when he walks into the, he takes the car into the shop because he's going to track down an, uh, a, a, a source. Suspect. Yeah. And so you can tell he's in, like, Denzel is a cop pretending to be undercover. And you're like, oh, this is his wheelhouse. You just get excited because you're like, oh, Denzel is here. Are you Tariq Hussaini? He's not here. He's not here? I will enter. Uh, then. Can I leave a message for him? Of course. They tell him the FBI is after him. <laughs> you're a joke. I'm not joking. Put the phone down. Put your hands up. And so I think I was thinking about this on the way here and I was like, man, I think the reason I picked this person is because I he's in sort of a similar movie that's coming out. I know exactly who you're going to pick. And then I was mad at myself. So I was like, because at the time I was like, man, I can't see anybody else. He's going to be great. Uh-huh. And then I was like, crap, this is sort of what this other movie is. Oh, well, I think he'll, I think he'd do great in it. Anyway, I picked Chadwick Boseman. Absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. There's no reason that he couldn't do it. That's kind of the person we all want to see do it. Yeah. I nearly picked him as well. And I also had the same feeling. I was like, man, like, it's just, it has to be him. Um, he's an, a phenomenal actor. He's great. Who I think is very tired of being in Black Panther. After two, two and a half movies, uh, one and a half movies of being Black Panther, I think he's like, this might have been a mistake. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, and but also, I think- like, I don't really need to see him and be Black Panther, like, all the time. Like, he is, no. he's an incredible, incredible talent. <laughs> I, at the last second, remembered... An actress who is crushing it. Oh. I picked Regina King from Watchmen. That's a great choice. Who is sort of playing a very similar, she's like a cop in a a crazy post-superhero world. And there's like this conspiracy at foot and she's trying to get to the bottom of it. Man, is she good. Gosh, if you're not watching Watchmen, subscribe to HBO (laughs) right now. Because it is like, it is must-see TV. It's so good. Um, but she was really the only other person that I could see do it. Like it, it, it was just by circumstance that someone at work was like, "Oh, did anyone watch last episode of Watchmen?" And I was like, "Regina, oh, Regina." And that I feel like I, that change, that gender swap, I feel like I could get away with because I do think Hubbard being an African American mm-hmm. is incredibly important to this yeah. movie. Do I have to explain it? I don't know, but like just just to see what like the government does to Islamic Americans through. An African-American's point of view. Yeah. It really centers this movie in, in a lot of ways. Because you know that he's always going to do, I'm going to do the right thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like that he's going to stand up for what is right. Right. Yeah. Like historically, African-Americans, anytime America's doing something wrong, it's the African-American community that's like, I don't think so. Yeah. We need to check ourselves. Yes. Order your men to lower their weapons, Hubbard. Can't do that, General. Do it now. The law states... I am the law. Right here, right now, I am the law. You have the right Order to remain silent, weapons, Agent You have the right to a fair trial. You have the right not to be tortured, not to be murdered. Rights that you took away from Tariq Husseini. You have those rights because of the men that came before you who wore that uniform. Because of the men and women that are standing here right now waiting for you to give them the order to fire. Give them the order, General. Yeah. Um, I agree. I think. I think that's a great choice like she is someone who before Watchmen I don't think we fully understood her because she is a great actress and has always been a great actress but I just never would have thought to see her in something like that and now that I have I'm like oh this yeah cast her in everything like, I never got the to range see, is just there yeah I never got to see if Beale Street could talk but I did see Friday <laughs> and, <laughs> and probably one of wow. the most underrated characters in Friday is Craig's sister, whose name I don't even remember, but yeah. she was tremendous. Yeah, I also didn't see if Bill Street could talk, but I did see a Cinderella story. <laughs> and when Regina King said, told Hillary Duff, you really need to go to that dance because you won't get another mm-hmm. chance to, to, to meet right. to meet um, Chad Michael Murray. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I get it. All right. Uh, Elise Kraft, a.k.a. Sharon Bridger, a.k.a. Elise Kraft, played by Annette Bening. I, okay, I'm going to start by saying this. Okay. I love this character. Yes. Uh, I love the world-weary, sex-with-the-quote-unquote enemy, shadow agent character, the morally ambiguous law enforcement who fought for a better future only to see it get compromised over and over again. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's all because of Annette Benning's weird, like, hippie energy that she kind of gives off in yeah. moments of, like, where they're, like, relaxing. She's very, like, laissez-faire about, like, the world. Like, she says stuff that's like, I love Lebanese men. And you're just like, what is going on? Like, who are you? There is there is something that is slightly, like, slightly like a man's fantasy of a woman about the character where, like, she is just so... um she's so almost one of the guys that they sort of make a big deal out of her her uh, having a sexual relationship with her source mm-hmm. to which she kind of has to be like this is the job like this is what I have to do um, but yeah there is something about that that I was like maybe if we toned that down a tiny bit and just made it more like we accept that she is doing her job the way she needs she to do it yeah um that might, but Annette Benning, like, there are moments where her characterization, like, the scene we just watched at the top where they're discussing the torture and Denzel kind of looks at her and she just looks down immediately. Right. Like, that moment, I was just like, ah, oh, Annette. Like, you, you see so much in so little. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, she knows that she's comfortable doing this because that's yeah. how that's how the military and that's how intelligence works, at least for the CIA. Mm-hmm. For the FBI, for local police, that is a line that is never crossed yeah. for regular, regular for for American citizens for everyday life, um, and it's crazy because she she doesn't want to show that to Hubbard because she wants to be like Hubbard. She wants to be the good guy. Yep, she's not. She's that gray area. I ran the network in Iraq for two years. Samir recruited them from among the Sheikh's followers, and I uh, I trained them in the north. The Sheikh was going to help us overthrow Saddam. I mean, he was our ally. Then there was a policy shift. It's not like we sold them out exactly. We just stopped helping them. They were slaughtered. I ended up going with Elizabeth Moss from The Handsmaid Tale. That's great. Um, she she portrays intelligence really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she still has that kind of like sexy spy she could have that like sexy spy vibe which annette benning i don't want to talk about this character's fashion because i feel like that's sexist but uh but she has some she has some, some looks she has some looks some uh, late 90s i just kept thinking of like she has weird this is a weird thing to think she had a great silhouette there's a lot of weird noir moments in here where like she steps out of a car or she's like Silhouetted. She in a, enters scenes yes. like like it's a noir movie. Like she pops out of shadows. Right. And her wardrobe creates that silhouette where she's wearing like all these scarves. She has like this pixie cut. She has this big boxy jacket. jacket. But like cigarette pants. Yes. Yep. It's really strange. And <laughs> it's a little like it's a little like late 90s Audrey Hepburn. Yeah. Yeah. And I at like that. I, I, I really like that choice, probably from a nostalgic point of view. But it was like that. That's weirdly kind of her character like armored up but also mm-hmm. like you know slinky and 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 weird and I, I was just like Elizabeth Moss has done a lot of great strong female roles yeah and she's not going to be a shrinking violet that was the thing I was really like I don't want an actress who would just be like who would just lean into yeah of a, not a damsel but like you know like that would take a back seat that, so that's why I want. I love Elizabeth Moss. I think she's great. I'm super excited to see The Invisible Man. Uh, I I feel like I'm confused by her a little bit, especially because she does tend to play strong female characters. She's also a Scientologist. I know. And none of that doesn't add up she to me. She was born into it. Yeah. Which is it's, like, I guess you could cut her some slack there. Like It's very odd, though. Um, she also dated like, Fred Armisen, which is also a strange choice. Um, (laughs) and it's like no that's a normal choice for people Brian I get it Um, I like that choice a lot I feel like I went a similar direction and that I just wanted a very strong woman Um, I picked Rebecca Ferguson I saw Dr. Sleep last night and it was phenomenal I hear good things it is so so good Um, she plays the villain a villain, the big villain. And she is such an interesting actress because there is something so disarming about her. But at the same time, you see her in like 
uh, Mission Impossible, and she is doing all the action scenes. Like yeah. her character is essentially Tom Cruise's character in many ways, and you're like, oh, absolutely, I buy that. Um, and so I kind of, I kind of like that for her. I like seeing both sides of like, she is clearly a strong, capable woman who is going to stick to her guns. But in those moments too, where you're really not sure if she's acting and she's with uh, Samir and trying to get information from him, trying to plant stuff in him, like getting that sort of back and forth. Like I can see her being that soft person where we're not really sure what her motives are. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I also think that that is the crux of her character. Like her yeah. sympathy for Samir is really what makes her like her. I think she genuinely loves Samir. Yeah. And cannot be with him for multiple reasons. Like um, it, it's really like she's caught between like her responsibility to his people and her duty to her government and her country. And it just it plays all this like multifaceted type shit like where where she knows she's betrayed him mm-hmm. and she she's like treats him like I mean the actor who plays Samir is, is younger than Annette Benning, which I really liked because yeah. she treats him almost motherly in a way uh-huh. like that scene where they're like oh, so creepy so like they they are sleeping together and it's like right after and you find out that Hubbard and Haddad are watching her. Yeah. But she keeps telling Samir, like, just be strong. You can be strong. Like, you've always been strong. And you're kind of like, what is she, like, what is she doing with this guy? Like, what is. Yeah. I need you to help me. I need you to be strong. Like, you've always been strong for both of us. I don't know. I think that's really important. And then she turns, which is such an interesting scene, because then when Hubbard is like, I need to meet him, and they do the good cop, bad cop thing where she lashes out at him. fucking nuts. Yeah, it's awesome. It's wild. But, like, I think think we've nailed it here. We've picked actresses who could adequately do what Annette Bening did in creating this character. Annette. Let's talk about the true hero of this movie. Build his statue now, everyone. We're talking about Frank Haddad, played by the extraordinary Tony Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub. He's just bringing that monk energy. (laughs) Okay, so first and foremost, Tony Shalhoub is in this movie. And the team of Denzel Washington and Tony Shalhoub is so dynamic. Who would have thought? Oh, I. That's a natural. That's a. a, Come on. Anyone in Tony Shalhoub, as Tony. If Tony Shalhoub's like the kind of wisecracking number two, perfect fit. I don't know who else. Like, I don't see anyone else in this role. It was very hard to recast this. Wow. I don't see anyone else in this role. Yeah. I think Frank. Frank has depth. And he starts, like you said, as sort of his like wide, wisecracking side kick. Who is like, you know, nobody wants to stay here and work the weekend more than me, but here we go. And then we we follow him down this journey of like, eventually he is in this like internment camp, like screaming, trying to find his son. Heartbreaking. It is like Shirley MacLaine in terms of endearment. Like he is going fully nuts and we're loving it. So anyway, I pulled from a wealth of Middle Eastern actors whom I love, and landed on Ali Suleiman, who you might know if you watched Amazon Prime's Tom's, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. <laughs> um, he was the villain in the first season and was absolutely incredible. I mean, I'm a little biased, but the character was written incredibly, mm-hmm. but also he just performed it so perfectly. And I think he was someone who I was like, if there's any chance for this guy to just be plucked out of like, the he just plays a terrorist world and like thrown into being literally anything else. I would want it to be this guy. And so I like seeing him as Frank because it is like I think he would bring a great energy of like, I'm an American. I wasn't born here, but I have lived here. My son is an American. And now we're being torn apart because nobody can tell like nobody trusts us because of the way we look because i do think something and maybe it's just because i've seen tony shalhoub do too many things but there's something kind of silly about sometimes him like sticking up for himself but like i see this actor and i'm like 
100%, I am just going to be so on his side when he's tossing out speeches about how, like, I quit. Like, I'm not going to work for a, a government agency in which the government, like, doesn't care about me and my and my family. Like, I believe it. They came into my house. My wife told them who I was. How many times did I put it on the line? How many times? 20 years were American citizens. 10 years in the Bureau. They knocked her down. They took him out of my house. But then he comes back. He does and come he's back. there when you need him. I, I don't know this actor's work very well. I'm, I'm sorry to all of the Jack Ryan family. I have not watched as much Jack Ryan as maybe I should have. But uh, I trust your pick. I I, I wrote this down. Um, so Tony Shalhoub, probably because he's Tony Shalhoub, he's really the only bright spot in this movie. And you're right. Like, because of that, you really root for him and you really feel yeah. for him when he loses his son, when he realizes that his government and his country has betrayed him and everything that he's worked to, like, everything he sacrificed for this country. And the third terrorist attack, when they drive a truck bomb mm-hmm. through the FBI headquarters, my initial reaction was, and all the other agents die. We yeah. get to know all these other agents. Uh, of wide diverse array of agents that work yeah. at this place. They're all dead. All model-esque. And the They're only thing dead. I could say was, well, Frank's still alive. Thank God. <laughs> Protect this man at it all costs. so convenient that they happen to be like the only people like not working in the, the beat yeah. and not in the building. Yeah. But that's just the way movies get made. Right. So... Um, so I ended up picking an actor who I've picked previously who I really like. I, I He's popping up in a lot of stuff now in, like, weird spots. Like, he made a cameo in Spider-Man Far From Home hmm. literally months after he appeared in Chernobyl. But I picked Swedish-Lebanese actor Faris Faris. You have cast him. <laughs> I've used him twice now, so yeah, he's kind have. of on the shelf now. But... I see, I see what you're saying. And I know you love him. He looks more like an FBI. No offense to the god, Tony Shalhoub, but um, he looks more like an FBI agent. The man, the myth, the legend. We mean no harm to Tony Shalhoub. But honestly, does Tony but Shalhoub really He's a little like, soft. Do you think Tony Shalhoub is passing the FBI like training course? Like, do you, I don't know. Maybe marksmanship is fine, but I, I don't know. Watching him run, I'd probably be like, I don't know if you got this, bud. Like, there is something at the end when he sort of shows up and he like guns gun drawn, and you're like, Tony Shalhoub doesn't know how to use a gun. Uh, I said this earlier to you. In my version, Frank shoots first. Yeah. Frank needs to kill Samir. If Samir's still yeah. the bad guy, which we'll talk about that, but like whoever the final baddie is, it's got to be Frank. Frank has to take that shot. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's great. And that's a good, that's probably, I don't want to say it's probably not something they thought about because it, it might have been, but it is a conversation that I think should have happened mm-hmm. of like, is it important to see that Frank shoots first? I think you're right. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's move on to Samir. Samir. A very complicated character to yeah. take into 2019. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I apologize to this actor. I'm going to try one more time. Samir, played by Sammy. Boazila. I think I nailed it. I think that's a great guess. <laughs> um, Much respect to this man. He is does he gives a great performance. Yes. I. This is definitely where this movie lo- loses me. It is not a great look to make your one Islamic asset a radical terrorist. Yes. Um, because what is this movie actually saying when it does yeah. that? It's, it's saying essentially that... You want to believe that everyone saying you can't trust the people you know are wrong, but really they're right. Right. I do, however, think his motivation for being a terrorist is very good. I mean, it it says something about former allies who have maybe been betrayed by a government who just sort of abandoned them. Cough, cough, nudge, nudge to some current events like... uh, that makes sense to me, yeah. but as an overall message, it just seems very... Honestly, do you know what a more interesting take on this would be? Is if there was a character who is working with them sort of peripherally in the FBI, and maybe we th- start to think that 
uh, Sharon is off and she shouldn't trust Samir. And we're starting to do what we don't want to do and be like, we think he's the terrorist. But then it turns out it's like a, this is truly the 2019 version. It's like a uh, a white American who has been radicalized from the inside and they're the last. It's a switcheroony. It's like, yeah. oh, like, let's position like sort of a, a white nationalist in this yeah. place to place blame at the feet of the Islamic community. That seems more modern for sure. Yeah. I still think it's just like a sticky wicket of like, it seems, you know what? It, it seems like a twist for the sake of a twist. Yeah. And it doesn't help us in any way. Like, no. I think you're right. That's one idea where you could come up with where it's like, maybe it's not an Islamic American. Maybe it's like a, an actual country. Like maybe it's actually a little more like geopolitical than say like a terrorist cell. Like there. Anyways, I feel like we're, be, we're we've beaten this to death here. Like the point is, so okay, Samir it's a, can't be the bad guy. <laughs> it's a movie about terrorism, and so someone has to be a terrorist. a terrorist. Yes, it just doesn't have to be. We don't have to play into this uh, tricky. Um, a morality of well, I shouldn't. Right. I shouldn't just think I'm safe because these people are like kind to me. Like we don't. We just. It just doesn't have to go that way because look. It maybe then it didn't feel so sticky, but looking back on it, it's like. Ugh. I have an, okay. I have a weird pitch. Would it be better if Asif Manvi turned out to be the pinnacle bad guy? Where does he go? Where it's like something where they had him the whole time and they let him go. And then they, he gets kidnapped by the CIA. Very Jack Ryan season one. Yeah, he gets kidnapped. <laughs> okay, apologies <laughs> to the Jack Ryan uh, writing. We're pitching team. ideas from for shows that already right. exist, Brian. Sure. Okay. But no, like even that is more interesting of like we had him in our hands. And we let him go. And we let him go. And now we're seeing him come back. Even that I think is more interesting than like turning the one character right. we have a relationship with as an audience. I agree. Okay. So. I wanted to, we're in agreement that Samir is no longer the bad guy. Yeah. So I still wanted to pick someone that could play a romantic character. Cause okay. let's be honest, Samir is sexy AF. Like he's just like <laughs> naked in bed. He's talking about like, he's having this like poetic let's moment. Let's get down to about, what like, this podcast is really about. It's really about sexy terrorists. Sexy, sexy terrorists. No, but he, t- he tells a story about how his brother was radicalized mm-hmm. and ended up like murdering a bunch of people in a movie theater. Um, Jeez, this movie. My brother, it was already like dying. The only thing he lives for is movies. And then some sheikh came and tell him that to die for Allah is beautiful. And if he does this thing, our parents will be taken care of and he will live on in paradise with 70 virgins. And my brother, you need to believe it very much. And I also need, you need to pick an actor who can give a stirring performance. I unfortunately watched a movie that this person was in that was really bad. So then I had to go and watch some clips of him and other stuff to see, like, is he actually as talented that as he was in Aladdin? Because Aladdin <laughs> was a bad movie. I picked Marwan Kinzari. Okay. He played Jafar. Oh, he was great as Jafar. That movie was trash, but he's, he was, he's he was one, like, good. Yes. Yeah. And I, I'll Sexy Jafar. Uh, Naomi Scott is is doing okay. Is, you don't okay. have to always defend the Power Rangers people. I'm standing up for my girl here. This pod's not about her though. This honestly, pod is about though, this guy right meet now. Him, the, the movie. Never mind. It's I trash. was gonna it's say awful. the movie. Honestly, I think is Guy Ritchie's fault because people are bringing things in. He just didn't know how to. He doesn't know how to make a musical. He who right. who. Uh, uh, Will Smith was fine as the genie. Okay, I said it. Continue. Wolf. <laughs> okay, what were we talking about? <laughs> I picked, Samir. Yeah, I picked Marwan Kinzari from he's Aladdin. Great. And I think he's in a Netflix show called The The Prince. I really should have written this down. Oh. He was on Murder on the Orient Express. What happened to Monday? He was in the new Mummy movie. Which we'll, we'll Boo! Play. The Angel. The Angel on Netflix which came hmm. out in 2018. Interesting. He, yeah, he was great. Yeah. I like yeah. him for this. How old is he? Um, he is 36. He's a little older okay. than Sammy uh, Boagila, who's 32. And now I'm getting it. Now I'm like, now I'm on. Um, I think that's a great choice. Thank you. Um, I picked for my Samir, 
I am going back to the Jack Ryan pool because <laughs> honestly, the ca- sort of feels like cheating. Kenna. The casting, the casting is so good. There were just uh-huh. some really, really great actors who I would love to see outside of that sphere. I picked Amir El Masri, who played a sort of side character on Jack Ryan, um, but who I loved because honestly, like I felt like my eye was drawn to him in scenes. I think he is. He looks a little younger, which I kind of like. There's a sort of innocence to having. Uh, this character, I think, be look a little more like boyish. Yeah. Um, especially if we're going to play a sort of bait and switch. I like the idea of thinking like, holy crap, like he's the terrorist. And then you realize he's not. Um, but yeah, I think he's phenomenal. And I know nobody knows who he is, but maybe one day you will. And that's what this that's what this podcast is all about. What was his name? Amir El Masri. I don't know this man. I'm sorry to this man. I, I'm sorry I, to this man. But I trust you. I mean, like, I trust you. I promise this is not just a big ad for Jack Ryan. <laughs> but the ad, the casting is really phenomenal. And so when, when it came to casting Middle Eastern actors, I was like, I know where I have to go. Because there were just some right. really, really great actors. Right. Okay. Let's get to General William Devereaux, played by Bruce Willis. Uh, what a shitty guy. <laughs> like, what an absolute I was not war criminal. expecting Bruce Willis. I just walked into this movie very blind. Yeah. And so when he showed up with hair. It's a bad wig. Which, it's a really bad wig. Which, as we've talked about, Bruce Willis with hair is like a totally different actor. That's true. He gives off a totally different energy. But mm-hmm. I love it. it. It's so perfect for him. There is a sort of sleazy energy he gives off. The FBI has received another fax. Ahmed bin Talal. Apparently, they're still under the impression that we have him. Do we have him? Let me give you a little advice, Steve. Do not come between me and the president. That's man. I just feel like this podcast. If there's one thing this podcast has done for me, it has shown me that I didn't. I do not value Bruce Willis enough. He's a great mm. actor, and I feel like. As of now, we're not getting like we're just not getting like timeless performances that he could be giving us. Like, right. why aren't we putting him in more stuff? I don't know. Maybe he doesn't want to work as as much these days. Bruce, give your gifts to the world. <laughs> is it my turn? It is your turn. Um, I'm just gonna say it. I cast Matt Damon. <laughs> I cast Ben Affleck. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. What? How is that possible? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. First of all, that's extra. That's so funny. Wow. Um. All right. Let's know. talk about Jason Bourne as General William Devereaux. I like. Matt Damon is a, a a villainous character. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he gives off like he could be an army general. Totally. But I like the turn of him being sort of the guy who's like, OK, this is your morality. Well, this is my morality. So I'm taking it this way. And this is the best thing to do for our country. Here we go. Yeah. Like it's very plain and simple. It's it's a it's not good, but it is sort of this line he draws where like Hub is like. You can't do this. And he's like, what do you mean? Like, yeah. this is what we ha- it's my job to do something. And this I, is what we have to do. I have power now. Yeah. You you are no one now. Like, I've been given the authority to do whatever I want here. Yeah. Which is so terrifying when you actually see like military boots and tanks in the streets of Brooklyn. You're like, this is man terrifying, especially in the hands of someone like Devereaux, who you're right, is just like an absolute warmonger. Yeah. Because the whole time you realize that like. So the whole the whole reason that these terrorists are attacking American soil is they're like seeking the release of a religious figure mm-hmm. that the U.S. military or the CIA basically disappeared. Yeah. And are just holding captives somewhere. Not even like in Guantanamo. He's like literally in like a hole in the ground yeah. and they just control his life. And you see Bruce Willis at the very beginning of this movie just sort of smiling over this entire situation because yeah. you find out that he's orchestrated this weirdly like this entire thing which is crazy to think that Bruce Willis 
has the machinations to be like, oh, if I do this, this will lead to terrorist attacks, which will lead to panic. And so fear, which will lead to the president issuing martial law. And then I will be the man in charge of the United States. But I f- it's it's interesting you say that because truth be told, I feel like we're in that world right now where like of yeah. course we're looking at Bruce Willis and we're like you didn't really come up with this plan but I'm like I look at most everyone who's in charge of anything in our in our army our government and I'm kind of like would you and then I'm like well it's either you or somebody next to you who's like hey you should definitely do this like things get brought about in such a way that I'm like are we that far off from this honestly no yeah that's true and it's and I think Matt Damon would do great I think he is a really really good actor let's talk about ben affleck (laughs) okay ben affleck is a totally different is a totally different kind of actor for this because he he's much more aggressive he's a larger physical presence he is just an angrier guy like it would be it would be somewhat similar but also different this is sort of what i'm thinking i know a lot of people don't like ben affleck for various reasons about his personal life right his connect both of their connections to Weinstein and yep. like the fallout from that were insane. Like And when he cheated on his wife, we don't love. Right. But this dude to me, and I'm probably still like maybe it's because, you know, the Boston connection or whatever, but I'm still like I'm still rooting for this guy in a Boston weird way. Boston boys. I'm just sort of like this guy has a lot of pain. I I like Ben Affleck as an actor. Yeah. Even as and as a director, like as a I director, think, probably better. Than I think people want to hate on him, and he's given them lots of reasons to do Absolutely. it. Absolutely, I think this role would be perfect for him. Yeah, it's a character who's a little dark, mm-hmm. very ruthless, but still thinks he's doing it for like the greater good. Like there's still a point of view to Devereaux that you can understand. Like you said it earlier, like there are people who saw this after 9/11 that were like, "No, Devereaux's kind of right," and you're like, mm, "No." But, like, I 100% see how, like, when the circumstances were real to us, you would think that. Yeah. There's historically nothing more corrosive to the morale of a population than policing its own citizens. But the enemy would be sadly mistaken if they were to doubt our resolve. They are now face-to-face with the most fearsome military machine in the history of man. And I intend to use it to be back on base in time for the playoffs. Yeah. Um, here's a compromise. Ben and Matt both play Devereaux, and we just switch them off in different scenes. It's like when they put two di- with like on stage shows where like one actor will play yeah. them one night right. and another will play them another night. Right. It's yeah. like that except scene to scene. Scene to scene. Also, just think about the the Armageddon connection between Ben and and Bruce. You know, what's so funny to me is that in for any other like pair of actors, we would have been like, oh yeah, they're similar but different. But these two random actors are like brothers and so it was like casting the same person (laughs) it's very strange um yeah uh armageddon you know wink wink not that that might be coming down the line anytime soon for this podcast um all right that's it except for one last cast member (laughs) that's it except not it where does barry pepper go where did you put him I made him FBI agent Floyd Rose, plays by Lance Reddick. I did too. There's not a lot of places to put him because we don't, we really don't focus on any of the side characters for that long. Yeah. But you do notice Lance Reddick so specifically. Right. Because he's Lance Reddick. I considered him, Mark Paul Valley is in this movie too, but he's sort of like a young hotshot FBI agent who gets killed. And I'm like, I want Barry Pepper to be in this movie till the end. I also thought about like the nebbish uh, Secretary of State. Who is like, do we put boots on the ground? Uh, you know, yeah. who like. Oh, that scene. Um, and then like realizes like what a horrible mistake that was. Um, but it, this one just felt right. It just yeah. felt like it's like, oh, Barry Pepper's just also here as an FBI agent and yeah. just sort of disappears. You believe Scenes it. at a time. Even though after Crawl, Barry Pepper should be starring in his own. I still haven't seen Crawl. You have to see it. Honestly, it's one of my top three movies of the year. Ooh, all right. Um, I don't have any other notes for this movie. Do you? Um, I feel like we need to acknowledge the just like sheer coincidence, which we've talked a little bit about this. But like the fact that not only is this movie what it is, but it takes place in New York and 
so there's all these scenes of like like when all the government agencies sort of come together and uh, Denzel Washington is like leading the meeting and they're having the sort of conversation of like, we're New Yorkers and we're not going to let this happen to our city. It's creepy. Tel Aviv, the day after they bombed the market in Tel Aviv, the market was open and it was full. This is New York City. We can take it. It's creepy how real it is. Because even just like the fact that like when the first bomb blows up and there's like a news reporter who's like, it's the worst uh, terrorist act since uh, Oklahoma City. And you're like, wow, remember a time when like Oklahoma City was the the worst? worst? Like it is mind blowing there's scenes, to, just a few years later. Yeah, there's to see scenes so much of this country in the FBI office where Ju- Rudy Giuliani is is currently the mayor of New York City yeah. on TV talking like talking about what's going on. Um, they do not. This was something I noticed, um, and I think we've avoided talking about 9/11 this whole time. But I we have to mention this. This movie doesn't really feature the Twin Towers a whole lot in a lot of establishing yeah, shots. There is a skyline. Right, which is really strange Yeah, that, like, the opening shot, I believe it's the opening shot of this movie, they they don't frame the Twin Towers in the scene. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's very crazy. Has it been changed? I don't know. In maybe like since? Maybe, but, like, when they do show the Twin Towers... There are these weird instances where they're like voiceovers talking about it's the biggest terrorist attack in America. Like yeah. you said, like then they're talking about like the fear of the city and like the like the, the kind of pall that's like, yeah, a, like crawled across it in the last couple of days. And you're just sitting there like, wow, wow, how crazy is this? Because like, in a few ways, it feels like revisionist history, but it happened before right. 9-11. Like in right. a way, you're like, oh, yeah, like. What if what if 9-11 had happened and we had decided to declare war essentially in our own country against terrorism? Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, it could have happened. It definitely could have happened. And it's just it's spooky that this movie was made in 1998. And that's how it feels, because now, like since post in a post 9-11 world, like we look and I, I hate to say that this is something I felt, but like. I watched some of these terrorist attacks and I was like, I mean, that's pretty terrible. But like I grew up in the 90s. Like this, this is not like there's stuff where I'm like, yeah, that's really bad. But like, you know, small potatoes considering like the stuff we've been through and it sucks. It really does suck. It it almost gave me an appreciation for the world that we currently live in Mm -hmm. and like how far past 9-11 we've come. and, And I'm not saying that there aren't people out there who still aren't having like a hard time because of it, but Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know, that watching it was just like, I kept wanting to go into the world and be like, guys, it's going to be okay. Like, you, you're a lot more resolved than you think. Like, yeah. This is, this is terrible, but like, it's going to be, it's going to be fine. And then like boots come on the ground and you're like, maybe it's not like, it, it was just weird. It, it, it was, it's a very weird sensation watching this movie. Yeah. Now I'm going to bring up to the very last and important question. Would you remake this movie? I'll say this. I think I would, but I would frame it entirely differently because there is something so prescient about this, but remaking it in a post 9-11 world, it would, knowing what we know, it would just have to be different. And I'm okay with that. Like I would actually, I think I would actually enjoy seeing a version of this that is just like, oh, remember when we sort of predicted that this would happen? And then, you know, 20 years later, we're like, Okay, well, like, what does that look like now? Because we're mm. still dealing with terrorism. Yeah, a lot of it domestic. But like, what does the next one look like? What would that? Yeah, like, that what's the us? next? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it would be a tech thriller, but <laughs> yeah, the AI nuclear war. I I voted maybe not remake this, but I in the world of the Jack Ryan's, the twenty fours, mm-hmm. the Berlin stations. I don't know who's watching Berlin station. <laughs> Maybe someone would make someone. This in, yeah, maybe someone would make this into a TV show that would be sort of like, you know, like what's next, what's to come, like yeah. the mistakes we make in the past. How do they? How do those consequences show up later down the road? 
I just don't know if I would watch it. Yeah. I don't know if I'm the audience for this. But. I mean, truly and honestly, there's there have been many times on this podcast where I've been like, we should just pitch this because there's like, and I think this is one of those moments where I'm like, who is who is looking at the siege to remake it? I don't know. Like, we should just pitch a TV show. Don't put that in the podcast. Um, okay. All right. Uh, guys, that's it for us this week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends about us. Please check out our past episodes that are a little lighter than this and our next episode, which is going to be very... Yeah, totally different. Sorry, we did a podcast about terrorism. Um, have a great Thanksgiving, and please follow us online. Kenna, where can the people find us? You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stop by and leave us a rating and a review. That's the best way to help us out. You you can also find us now on Kofi, where you can go to make a very small donation just to help us keep making this podcast. That link is in our description and all over Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, you can follow us on social media at the Boot Podcast on Twitter and at Boot Podcast on Instagram, or you can follow us individually because uh, I don't know, no. nothing feels, <laughs> nothing feels feel right. Good. Sorry, Happy Thanksgiving. You know what? At we're Flynn gonna, B and at Kenneth. Find us together because we're Americans and that's what we do. <laughs> Yikes. Let's make it real patriotic at the end. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. It's not his dog, Wetwick. They're spies. The dog works for the CIA.